Greetings, and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to 80 Level Roundtable, where we discuss the latest tech and the news from the game industry and 3D industries. And today we have with us Greb and Stanislav, who are going to talk about new tech in the animation industry. So, Greb and Slava, could you please do a little intro for those people who don't really know you and tell a little bit about your background and how did you start working in this new field? Sure. Hey, guys. My name is Slava. So... Basically, I was doing uh, animation like in early 2000 uh, something. Uh, then I switched to managing advertising projects for agencies like BBDO, DDB, and others. Then I got tired of clients' feedbacks and um, switched to more fundamental stuff like machine learning, deep learning, which brought me to, uh, uh, for some reason, gaming industry and uh, gaming company which was trying to utilize machine learning for gamers. So I was leading a B2B department there. And um, yeah, and uh, recently, like uh, last half a year, I started to endeavor my own uh, adventure uh, with the bringing machine learning for CG and animation in particular worlds. That's the story. Hello, my name is Gleb. I'm coming from more research background. Uh, I've graduated with a physics degree from Moscow State University. I've spent some time doing research in physics uh, and I was generally interested in mathematics, physics and all stuff like that. Uh, after graduating, I found out about machine learning and deep learning namely. Uh, I got pretty excited about that. Uh, I started studying it by myself and combining the previous knowledge of math with programming and computer science. Uh, for the last couple of years, uh, I was doing pretty extensive research in uh, deep learning, uh, mainly focused on images and 3D rendering and all stuff like that. Uh, we've met with, with Slava sometime before uh, and decided to try uh, and combine our knowledge and passion in CG and mainly in the animation pipeline. So I guess here we are. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Gleb, that probably studying physics in Moscow State University is pretty hard yeah. because it, it seems to me like this is like the hardest thing that you can pick to study in the uh, max, yeah, max is probably worse. But uh, because I have a lot of friends who kind of studied there and they all have tell these not horror stories, but they're just telling that it's like a super challenging place to study, but also a very, a very good yeah. place. It's like um, it drains your brain and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine. So we have a lot of people talking about machine learning today. And I think a lot of them are kind of make these concepts of AI and machine learning very similar, right? But th those are different things, right? So could you give us like a little um, uh, understanding on how are these things actually different, right? Because if, if you're doing machine learning and animation, it doesn't mean that it's going to take control over your PC and then start, you know, destroying your neighbors and doing stuff like that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess I can give a brief overview. Uh, there is obviously some 
uh, misunderstanding between these two terms uh, because they are basically are being used throughout maybe last decade in the same context, but they are a bit different. As you mentioned, AI is basically some metaphorical area, metaphysical area, I don't know how to say that properly, but uh, it's uh, a word describing how to make a human-like intelligence with our hands. It doesn't uh, make any restrictions on the way you do it. Uh, in 50s, for example, there was a lot of work in 50s, 60s, 70s, throughout the second part of 20th century uh, on how to make rule-based AI, like logic-based AI, when you write down a lot of a lot of rules uh, for the entire world, like trying to fit all the decisions that you can make into a huge decision tree or something like that. Uh, recent uh, Machine learning is a way to learn these kind of like rules uh, from the data that you have, because one day people understood, as far as I, as I can imagine, that there is actually a lot of data already in the world, and you can try to learn the rules from the data itself, because data is basically some observations from the world you want to mimic. Uh, and deep learning is a subfield of machine learning, which deals with neural network, and neural networks are like the only a small part of machine learning. Uh, but neural networks became really efficient uh, throughout maybe last 15 years or something, 10 maybe. Uh, so they are like dominating the AI field right now, but it's not the only possible instrument. There was a lot of attempts before, and maybe there would be a lot of attempts after, after neural networks because um, they have their limitations. Why is there such a huge interest in this uh, field right now, especially in the in video game industry? So why are... Uh, uh, everybody who's doing content especially so obsessed with like machine learning and neural networks yeah i think i can tackle that um well the the promise of machine learning not ai uh is basically as gleb mentioned you can learn uh rules and you can learn <clears throat> math model to actually save you to encapsulate knowledge uh, of human data within a math model. Uh, so you can, you know, go for uh, uh, playing the uh, playing the this model and not, you know, actually doing it with your own hands. So meaning that it will save you a lot of time on working uh, for your game. So, and, Slava, yeah. just to kind of give a, a better direction. So the work in video games and just like in animation, I think in general, it's very, I wouldn't say like an inefficient, but it requires a lot of actual work, right? So as you mentioned yeah, in one of your interviews with keyframes, it's like, it's very tedious work where you do like a bunch of frames, like each after each and so on, so on, so on, right? And how can AI kind of help with that? Like, where does it come from and what can it, fix right because i think in many regards people are tired of doing all this manual work all, all this like you know moving the like there is a gif where where you move the the toilet like <laughs> from one direction to the other right nobody likes doing that but at the same time people are afraid that it might take their jobs away right so mm. uh, where does machine learning come in this Kind of dilemma and do you think it's going to take jobs or do you think it's just going to take away all the unnecessary tasks yeah, that you can yeah, kind yeah. of not work with yeah i strongly personally believe that ai is gonna you know eliminate uh boring part of the job 
and will actually you know help creatives uh in kind of manual and boring things which will allow them to free up time for more creative stuff and less doing boring stuff so uh yeah i strongly believe in that um Gleb, do you want to elaborate? On yeah, that? I think I can uh, just add maybe a little example on how AI can affect uh, animation and computer graphic uh, by learning, uh, by watching at the previous examples of how AI helped more in more creative uh, professions. I would like to uh, watch and to take a look at the Photoshop, uh, for example, as video editing, as image editing tool. Uh, so imagine that you want to uh, select a person and maybe cut it out from an image. Uh, you can do it manually. You can take the uh, lasso tool and like set a lot of points, then remove the image, then copy paste uh, something to the background. So it would be, it would look plausible and all that stuff. And it will take a lot of your time and it's not actually very creative. It's really a boring job to just do one thing over and over and you know how it should look like. Uh, but there is like, a huge a huge work required to take an image there uh, and machine learning actually helps you with that uh, now in photoshop you can just with one click select a person or uh, with another click you can uh, remove this person and place a background uh, where this person were so you don't spend uh, hours on removing some parts of the of an image it's just maybe a matter of clicks but all the creative decisions all the uh conceptual decisions uh, the way you use this tool it's all, all up to up to you as uh, an artist and i guess no one can take that from you uh, and that's actually what in my opinion the artist's main skill is to make proper decisions and this will stay obviously in the field this would be needed yeah i think it's a great example actually with uh, photoshop right because it seems like the number of users of the software it just keeps growing it's not you know decreasing yeah, because sure, the sure. ai is kind of like helps you cut off the, the background just opens in new ways yeah because you yeah. don't have to spend a lot of efforts on small tasks and you can uh, actually do more uh more massive projects more massive work by yourself with lower let's say headcount uh, mm. and it actually opens a lot of new opportunities because if you have just one person working on a project you can do more you can do more quality more quality stuff yeah mm. and if you have a lot of people you can push even further if you have 30 person 30 people but no one have to spend a lot of time on some simple tasks they all can do something that was never done before mm. uh, because they have more time because they have more power more energy yeah. and all that yeah it makes total sense and um, uh, slava maybe you can yeah. help me um so we talked about like a little bit in general on, on how ai is used and how like machine learning is being used in industry but what is the way it's currently used in animation in particular? Like, what are like the main areas where it's been? Because I know, I know like one big thing that changed animation a lot, like in the past was probably motion capture. When yeah. we got, when we got motion capture, that there was like a, a huge leap in the quality of animation in, instantaneously everywhere. Like in the beginning of the bigger projects, but then almost like any studio could afford like a mocap tool or something like that. So yeah. what's going on now and how does kind of machine learning and other like technologies like that, how are they disrupting the ways that we think of animation? Yeah, before going into specifics, uh, I'd like to add up that um, these kind of solutions like in the Photoshop example, they also uh, lower entry barrier, right? 
just because yeah, totally totally I agree mm -hmm. yeah you have that uh, um, huge enormous barrier for newcomers to uh, actually enjoy working because they got to learn a lot of stuff to actually achieve something you know plausible and convincing and impressive and with the help of technologies like machine learning deep learning uh, as a subfield you can just you know push a button and then you have it so uh, we strongly believe that machine learning is not about eliminating jobs. It's about, you know, actually uh, allowing people to express themselves better uh, and solve uh, uh, tasks uh, more efficiently. So speaking of uh, uh, motion capture, so the way we see it is uh, it's still uh, not that available for a lot of uh, parts of the world, uh, mainly on the cost issues. And uh, because you gotta either uh, rent a motion capture studio uh, where you pay them basically thousands of dollars for shooting for for a number of days, uh, then you gotta clean it up, then uh, you gotta you know, work with that, uh, try to retarget that for your own characters, see it in engine and all this iteration stuff. In terms of um, machine learning, we, we, we've been investing heavily in our own researches uh, and trying to come up with the solution with, which would allow any user to basically shoot whatever video they want to have and see uh, it's mock-up data right from it. So, uh, yeah, and... Um, so tell us a little bit more about, like, the solution that you are currently working on. So what's, what are, like, the, the main unique things about it, I'm guessing, right? And uh, how do you think it's going to change the way that people are working with animation right now? Yeah, basically, uh, um, uh, the solution is... Um, um, it's currently like an ad hoc basis uh, <clears throat> from initial pilots we, we are doing now with some studios. So it works like uh, like this. So they shoot a number of videos where uh, an actor is performing uh, stuff. They shoot it with their regular cameras, like an iPhone or some other uh, uh, manufacturers. Uh, uh, smartphones, and uh, then they uh, put this uh, video to our software, and our software returns them uh, 3D uh, key points. So, uh, in uh, uh, currently in the Blender format, um, but we are also uh, uh, was talking with our pilots. Uh, companies and uh, we asked them if they want to you know see it right within in the in engine and they were like completely blown away with this idea because that would totally save them time for uh, 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 for iterations uh, because they could see it right within in engine uh, so they could you know experiment more and uh, with the lowest barrier possible. So they don't have to go for motion capture studio to plan everything in advance. They still have to plan because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a tool. Uh, so it's a matter of uh, what you do with it. Uh, 
but uh yeah uh in general that's a i think that's a good example of uh how uh machine learning is basically uh democratizes motion capture um i actually have a question not 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 entirely related maybe to the kind of work that you're doing but it's still uh, it's still interesting so um we've seen a lot of examples uh, recently of like new ways that animation could be done in games and i think like ubisoft is doing a lot of research in that area where they, they actually have also have a guy from like belarus or russia i don't remember his name he's doing like some some very cool research where basically the ai agent just doing stuff himself like going around and so on at the same time we have companies like naughty dog who are i guess using something in the middle there where like in the recent last of us they have very cool animations very fluid where one action goes into another and you don't actually see the way the animations connect you know because they have some kind of like algorithm and a huge database of their recorded um movements and then they can kind of glue everything together where it all feels like you're you know that the person is just moving in this world you know switching shoulders when she's near some kind of cover or you know going through some you know fights and so on and so forth so i'm wondering do you think that like ai and machine learning is going in animation like is it going to go outside of just the idea of capturing and kind of analyzing some kind of like material that you get from a visual like a camera or something is it going mm -hmm. to match like keyframes more nicely is it going to match different animations inside the game right um do you think there is like potential for growth there as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I will try to answer that from a more like a business perspective, uh, and that glad would add up some technical issues. Um, part of the answer. Um, huge companies, they are not into democratization of software. They are more into solving their own needs, right? Uh, so if we look at what Ubisoft uh, guys are doing, they try to optimize their own costs uh, for Mm, uh, some number of years, they were uh, saying that uh, uh, for all public talks they they, they had that um, they want to go for optimizing this state machine uh, because they they can obviously shoot whatever amount of mockup uh, they need with their own studios or with their partners, but the problem for them is that you know games are. Uh, game development is iterative process, right? So whenever director come, comes in and say, hey guys, let's change this part, uh, like say our walking should be, you know, damage depending. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it happens more often than most people want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But well, but, but that's, uh, how do you say, uh, that's because the, the nature, the na yeah, the nature yeah, exactly. of this business, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, uh, and then uh, the director comes in and say, "Hey guys, let's our walking be uh, damaged, uh, damage dependent," and uh, you can imagine uh, uh, it will take like weeks to reshoot all the mockup data for to enable that small feature for dozens of characters 
uh, hundreds of NPCs, uh, whatever they are aiming for in their next title. So uh, they're trying to utilize machine learning to save that, save those costs. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, they want to, you know, program a machine learning model to um, tweak animations on the go and kind of blend between them uh, in a more programmatic way uh, compared to more uh, human way. In terms of Naughty Dog, I think I saw an interview with the, one of their animators. I don't really recall the name, but anyway. Um, and the guy was saying uh, that the amount of uh, mock-up uh, work they were doing is just staggering. It's enormous. And uh, I don't really know if they were using any machine learning, but I guess they did. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think uh, machine learning, uh, there will be eventually a product which would allow, you know, go for from uh, state-based machine to more fluid kind of thing where a Uber model uh, like a huge model of which consists of all of the possible animations in the world, which would be tagged, uh, easy, controllable, uh, tunable. That's because that's really important aspect of uh, all of animations work. Uh, that kind of model in some product would eventually, you know, allow people to work with animations more easily. Uh, but I don't see it's coming in, in, I don't know, five years or something. There are some efforts, uh, still worth mentioning, uh, by, um, some engines, uh, they're kind of <clears throat> trying to do that. Uh, but what we see, we are kind of years from production ready, um, uh, fully uh fully production ready solution and i'd like glad to add up on the technical and the research part of that that question yeah i think uh slava actually described use cases pretty well i can just add maybe some technicalities uh so as slava mentioned uh there are there might be two basic setups uh one where you have uh, a lot of motion capture data and you want to tweak it a little and another one uh, when you don't have actually motion capture data at all. And this might be two bit different scenarios, but uh, what Ubisoft is doing and what other guys are doing uh, is basically a, might be called a programmatic or procedural approach to animation where you have some uh, priors on prior knowledge of uh, physics of your model of how humans walk, walk maybe. And you want to basically synthesize uh, new motions that were not presented in the mock-up data that you have uh, probably or if you don't have any mock-up data for your exact model then you want something that is reasonable uh there are a lot of approaches for that i think the the one that got into production as far as i know is motion matching and it was used in the game for honor as far as i know uh it's like when you take the animations that are that corresponds to the current movement of the character from the mock-up base uh there might be a couple of matches uh for example three matches and they are not like exact matches and you want to blend them in some clever way to get a new animation uh it's it, it works robustly but you need a lot of animation data you need a lot of 
uh, you don't have that much of, of a control because basically the nature of animations that you will get uh, depends on the mock-up data that you blend. Uh, the work by Ubisoft, uh, there was a work, recent work by Ubisoft that reduces the memory footprint of this uh, motion matching process uh, because and uh, reduces the burden of carrying the all the motion data to the client and to do it uh, on the client machine and all that stuff. Uh, there are also some works uh, that trains a neural network like in complete uh, in a way that it synthesizes motions for the model that you have uh, without any explicit control except for the motions should be uh, physical that you that just for example your mesh your model should not fall on the ground and you want to train a network to do a movements uh, that do not lead to uh, falling down it also lacks uh, explicit control uh, so there are problems with how do you control these deep neural network model trained on data in a way that would be tractable by the artist actually and it's a huge problem in the deep learning in general this tractability problem uh, so yeah there are a lot of research there is a lot of research going on uh, there are a lot of interesting use cases but they are really far from uh, a tool that uh, an unprepared artist can use uh, it's more of an academic research and what Ubisoft is doing it's really exciting for example Ubisoft or uh, Naughty Dog or some, some, uh, some other studios but it's like more mm, yeah it's more more academic so we'll need to spend some time on productization of so, Thanks, Glad. I think that's a that's a very interesting point, and I was very interested to learn more about like the motion map motion matching tech that's going on there. And uh, I really liked Slava's comments on the kind of like the idea that the companies just want to make stuff faster and cheaper. So uh, that makes sense, You're totally right. And the whole idea of like the engines that we have right now and libraries of like scanned objects and uh, procedural tools as well they're basically all serving the same function they're just making stuff faster and cheaper and um, my question though is um do you guys have a have any understanding like um, maybe in the percentage kind of uh, idea so how faster can you do some kind of like animation task if you're using your software right so let's say i need to like rig a character I need to make him like walk where I need to to prepare like a number of different dance animations for a Fortnite character. So how much time would I need to spend if I just hired an animator and how much time can I, mm -hmm. how fast can I do it? Like with, uh, when I have like a software like yours, which is like AI powers and stuff. Sure. Uh, I think, uh, that's a numbers question. So I'll try to answer that. Um, mm -hmm. I think I will use an example from one of our pilot projects. Um, so basically the team is making a horror game uh, with roughly uh, dozens of unique characters and some number of cutscenes. So the choice for them was either go for uh, keyframing, which they had doubts about scalability in terms of can they actually, you know, achieve that in a efficient, uh, money efficient perspective, uh, or they could, you know, try to find some other solutions like, uh, suits or some experimental stuff. Um, so, uh, when we, uh, I, 
yeah, when we talked to them, uh, their request was uh, like they, they want to experiment a lot in terms of actual uh, motion they want to you know achieve in in within uh, within the solution. So for character animation, they had like basic states like idle, attack, walk, uh, etc. So uh, uh, they had like 17 something characters, 14 states each. So for keyframing, they would spend roughly like four or five hours, well, less or like, let's say four hours for each state. So uh, 70 hours for one character uh, state uh, and 1,200 hours uh for 17 uh four characters all states to get the mm, pre-final uh mm, character uh animation uh so with a cost of 20 uh dollars per hour like uh, like an average uh for the rest of the world um for keyframing uh that would take them roughly uh twenty four uh thousand dollars and uh some number of months of work for all characters and uh, with our solution they got uh most of the uh, um, uh movements and all the, most of the states uh in a matter of uh a month plus something uh and it, and the cost is below uh i wouldn't go into particular amount now but uh say a one digit thousand uh, dollars so basically you compare like twenty four thousand dollars and uh one digit thousand uh, dollars Okay, so uh, I will. I think it's safe to say that it's like more than fifty percent, right? So you're, you're saving, yeah, yeah, absolutely, a lot in cost. But I think it's even more important that you're saving a lot in time as well, because um, it feels to me that in current climate and uh, as, as you know, like games are getting bigger and bigger and more ambitious. And uh, if you're if you look at like the the Last of Us that I keep mentioning, it's that. There's, there was like 2,000 people working on it, if you count all the outsourcers, like all those guys, right? Uh, so that's that's huge. That's like, so it's like two companies like Riot, like the stacked together just to build one game. So that's, and from the, from, and that's all because of the time. So they just hire more people to kind of tackle the tasks that they have so they could ship the game at an appropriate and an appropriate time frame. And uh, if you have a software that actually solves that problem, it's much better than hiring people because there's always a human factor involved and uh, you kind of want to to be sure that it's going to be done by, I mean, as a product, project manager, you probably know this better than I do, right? So you want to make sure that everything's going to be done at the exactly right time. And uh, when you have an army of like 2,000 people working, then it's probably not the case, right? But with, mm -hmm. with this kind of software and cutting down the, the time by 50% and then also decreasing the price, I think that's an, that's an incredible offer that any company would take advantage of, it seems to me. 
Um, so uh, guys, I think we're yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are almost near like the end, and I uh, I kind of have one one question, which is, like more for like the inner futurist like inside of you. So what? How do you think the workflow in our industry is going to change in the five, maybe ten years? So, uh, what tools are kind of going to go away, and what like tools or techniques are going to be in demand? Uh, because our audience is uh, young and they are like uh, developing, they want to learn more. So it would make sense for them to learn something that's going to be important in the future and not to waste time on something that's probably is going to go away. So what's your take on it? I, I know it's subjective. You don't have to be like, there's not no, no burden of responsibility behind your shoulders. <laughs> right? So we just want to like learn what, what's your opinion, like what's going to happen. Uh, Gleb, do you want to try to answer that? uh yeah but it would be more from from more technical perspective i guess uh yeah, but, right to up yeah okay so uh i guess that uh as we've seen the photoshop as we've discussed about the animation and lots of other fields uh a lot of uh small boring uh repetitive routine work will be automated in one way or another either it would be some fancy deep learning or maybe more clever uh simple solutions and uh it's better to understand at least briefly what's going on uh like for example why uh five years ago you have to keyframe every frame that you have in the video and like now you have to keyframe once per second for example if it would be the thing in the uh production lately uh in order to just understand how the technology behaves and what can you expect from that uh i'd say that it's better to understand the uh, basics of engines that you are working in for example if it's unreal engine then you should understand uh at least something about cameras about basic physics of how uh collision works and stuff like that uh maybe you should learn a little of programming but at least at least to do some scripting some proper maybe c plus plus or python or something uh to just be able to automate some stuff that i guess it will be there in five years and maybe more and more will be automated automatable and the more you will be able to automate, the easier the work will do will be for you. Uh, and just as always, I guess you need to uh, like keep your eyes open. You need to watch out for interesting projects, interested interesting references, interesting scenarios, and all stuff like that. Just to spend more time on creative side of education. Yeah, I think I I would elaborate on the creative part. I think uh, back to the roots is kind of what back to the roots approach is kind of what benefits you most if you want to build great work great game great animation you gotta learn what's behind it i mean behind that it's about emotions right and no tech can actually synthesize that it can help you to get what you want but uh, it's up to you to decide which emotion you want to encapsulate in that particular moment uh, with that particular form. So I would go for this fundamental stuff and learn, you know, arts, learn how to be, you know, more creative with your own mind and not with tools you have at your disposal. Because at the end of the yeah. day, they're all tools. Uh, I mean, I can't agree with you more. So you were saying about that thing and I remember that uh, iconic video when there, there was like a this poor Japanese guy who came to hire Miyazaki and he, showed him a recording of some automated animation <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, it, it was just like a like a experiment, right? It wasn't supposed to be something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, uh, and it, it looked horrible. And uh, Miyazaki said that that was, um, I, I mean, it was. Uh, I don't remember like the exact words, but it basically abused life itself. It said something like this, right? Because to mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. I think animation is one of those. Um, one of those interesting professions that are very close to something that God would do, right? Because it's basically mm. putting life into something that was still. And I think that's why it's so interesting. And pe- people are, even though like animators are not getting paid a lot of money, even though it's like a very tedious work and uh, it's challenging and so on and so forth, people are still going into animation because they just want to see the character move. You know, they want to bring some life into it. So, and it's nice to hear mm-hmm. from you guys that uh, it's still all about the tool, right? So that having all that amazing stuff at your, uh, you know, at, at your disposal, it will just make your, you know, life easier and you can do more creative work. You can bring more characters to life and just build more projects. I think it's a very optimistic end to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> So thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. And um, for anyone listening, uh, there yeah. will be links. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, guys. And there will be links to all, all of your like publications and your interview with 80 Level if you want to go more into details. And uh, so you can check it out. And uh, we'll add some more links so you can go ahead and uh, maybe send you a message or something if they're interested to do, like a pilot or whatever. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, that was a great honor to be in your podcast. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.